I can't even begin to describe how excited I am for you to listen to this episode because we are privileged to have entrepreneur and investor Piers Linney join us to share with you his experience, insights and practical advice about starting your own business. We talk about his time on TV, notably on Dragon's Den, and importantly his new course, Startup with Piers Linney, for anyone wanting to start or grow a new business. The link to the course is in the description where, as a dedicated listener to the show, you can get an exclusive 10% off the normal price. Trust me, you might want to listen to this more than once. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on, the sh- on your show, your podcast. Thank you very much. I'm really, really uh, happy that you got to come on. So I'm really excited. It wasn't easy. It took a while. Well, it took a couple of hours, <laughs> yeah, from London, yeah. but it's not so bad. I've been uh, told by my friends who support Manchester United that I have to go visit the stadium as well. So I've cancelled a meeting later on to go visit Old Trafford as well today, which I'm really reluctant to do because I'm a Liverpool fan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Piers, entrepreneur, investor, speaker, TV star, you actually donate a lot to charity as well. How does that feel when I say all of that about you? Uh, I suppose it is me. I suppose when I... So, you know, these things don't all happen at once. So I kind of... People forget about me is, is that I've got a background in the city. So I grew up... I actually grew up near Manchester in a mill town. Mm-hmm. Went to Manchester University. And I sort of ended up becoming a lawyer in the city and a banker. Mm-hmm. Did some TV, as you know. And I did The Secret Millionaire as well. People forget that. Yep. So 2011. Yep. And you kind of, and what was interesting is that when I started, when I arrived on Dragons Den especially, mm-hmm. people asked me, as you just sort of outlined, who are you? Well, my PR firm would say, well, what do you stand for? <laughs> you know, what, what, how do you pigeonhole you? And I couldn't really answer the question. And I thought, you're right, actually. So I've always kind of naturally wanted to give back because mm-hmm. I've always thought that the journey that I had was quite a tricky one, mm-hmm. going from Milltown, Comprehensive, to Credit Suisse first, Boston in the city, uh, to TV. That was quite a tricky path. And I've also thought it shouldn't be that hard for everyone else. Mm-hmm. So social mobility has been something I've always been uh, keen on supporting. Diversity and inclusion. So mm-hmm. there weren't many people who look like me that have done what I've done, which is one of the reasons why I ended up on TV, I guess. I yeah. take a few boxes. Let's be, let's be frank about that. And then TV was something that came along, and I kind of thought, do I do it? And I dipped my toe in a little bit in Secret Millionaire. I went the story about how I ended up in Dragon's Den. Mm-hmm. And when I met, I was with Sir Richard Branson, who helped me through the process. You can ask me if you'd like to. And it kind of happened and crept up on me. But I'm, I'm kind of a, a yes person. And I thought, mm-hmm. let's just do it. And uh, I thought long and hard about it. And then TV creates a caricature of you, yeah. which has got, it's got its positives, its negatives. Positives are, is that you're well known and you can gather attention, you know, to, for businesses or for good. And it opens doors. The bad side is, is that, well, Good side is people know who you are. The bad side is people know who you are. So you, there's two sides to that yeah. coin. And people think I am, like you could be right here, you think I've got a helicopter waiting on the roof, and the, you know, and the security detail. It's nonsense. I'm not, not, that's not me at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm still very much in the game. So yes, it does describe me, but I think it's got to be put into context. Because mm-hmm. when you're concertina, like it's one sentence, 
that sounds oppressive, I guess. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot more to it than that. There's, yeah. there's 30 years there. <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned it before, though, but for a lot of people listening, they don't actually know that you started off as a lawyer in this whole thing. Actually, in my lawyer's office. Kindly <laughs> use it. So I, I started off as a lawyer, yeah. So I, I grew up in a mill town, Lancashire. And I was always interested in uh, social economic history and law, because law was kind of linked to history in many ways. And I became a lawyer. And it took me, I found my 11 plus, went to the comprehensive, and everyone said to me, I said, I want to be, I want to be a lawyer. And I said, you're, you're nuts. <laughs> you know, why? Become an accountant. I did an accounting law degree. And I managed to get into the city. But it took me 68 applications, admittedly some firms twice, to get into the city and become a lawyer. It was wow. very, very difficult. And literally, I remember the meetings with SJ Bowen, mm -hmm. no longer around now. Quite a big firm in venture capital. And that's when I first saw venture capitalists, mm. funds, investors, and entrepreneurs. And I'd watch the interaction and think, I want to be one of them. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not the guy with the pen taking notes. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought, I want, to, I want to really get into Now, I've always been in business since I was 13. Mm -hmm. But that's when I really saw business at scale. Yeah. Millions of pounds changing hand. People creating real wealth. Yeah. That's when I qualified as a lawyer, and the next day, literally, after seven years of work, I left and joined uh, what's now Barclays Capital. Amazing. It was called BZW at the time. That was an acquired by Credit Suisse. So I started my life really as a professional in the city, mm -hmm. and that's why I've sat on every side of the table. And I've been a fund manager. I've worked in um, run a venture capital fund. I've been a partner in a hedge fund. So the city finance yeah. thing, I've done, and I am a professional by training, believe mm -hmm. it or not. Amazing, amazing. Well, I think a lot of people didn't actually know that background to you. We don't often hear that side. I think it's some wise-cracking geezer off TV, <laughs> which I am as well. <laughs> you also that, yeah. But there's, there's more there's more to me. Which there's is more to it than the eye, which is often the case with a lot of stuff, right? So I have to ask, because a lot of people want to know this, and I'm a, I'm a fan believer of Simon Sinek's book as well, which is Start With Why. What was your why when you're going through this journey? What was your goal? What, where was your focus in all of this? Did you know you were going to end up going down this path? Or was it all just, I'm going to take it all as it comes? I know Simon said I haven't read his book, but okay. I'll, I'll, go, I'll, be, I'll be on, so, I'll be on, on Blinkist today looking at that thing. <laughs> so what's interesting, people say to me all the time, is that, um, that I've, I've been accused actually by, by creating this sort of backstory. Because mm -hmm. people say, well, you're, or they say to me, oh, your career is very well laid out. You became a lawyer, mm. did a law and accounting degree, became a lawyer. You moved you know, swiftly into finance, investment banker, corporate finance, hedge fund. Great, you had it all planned out. Mm. It's the complete opposite. <laughs> so when I was at um, school, people I wanted to be in business. Mm -hmm. They wanted to be an accountant. right? And then I, 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 did, um, I did economics, and I had to do an A-level again. Mm -hmm. So I chose law, and I really like law. I thought, well, I don't want to be, I quite like law, actually. I like history. And jurisprudence, law, history is sort of mixed. So I did a degree in law and accounting. And I had no idea what being a lawyer was. I didn't difference between a barrister and a solicitor. <laughs> so eventually I worked it out, obviously. I said, I want to be a solicitor. Okay. Uh, got a job in Manchester. I don't want to be a lawyer in Manchester because I wanted the big bright lights of London. Yeah. Got a job in London. And I could learn very quickly a lot about the city and law, how it will work. Now, as I approached qualification, I realised that I wanted to be do something else. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine at the time said to me, you should go into investment banking. And my response was, what's investment banking? <laughs> Didn't have a clue. So yeah. I read a book called, oddly enough, Investment Banking. <laughs> I started reading this pink newspaper called mm -hmm. Financial Times, mm -hmm. and I learned along the way. Then I went into the law, I went into sort of banking, sorry. And then I sort of thought, 
oh, some interesting alternative finance hedge funds. I had no idea what it was at all. So I've always kind of bumbled along almost, come up to a wall or a hedge, yeah. stepped on a box, looked over it, <laughs> seen the next sort of yeah. field, that's interesting, climbed over, yeah. got along, hit another wall, <laughs> got another box, looked over it, yeah. and I, I've been, I'm quite bloody-minded, mm -hmm. I'm quite determined, mm -hmm. a lot of young people aren't, but I was always like, I've always done what I, what I want, what I've sort of visualised myself doing, I've become that, I've done it. Mm -hmm. Then when you look back, you see all the stepping stones, mm -hmm. the staircase, makes absolute sense yeah. but I built that bridge literally mm. crossing that chasm that's the thing I, th I think a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening because that's our primary audience not people listening now that's our audience and it's that persistence that really does keep people going um, and a lot of what you went through is actually due to your persistence to say I'm going to keep going I've seen something here I've come across a barrier and I'm going to climb over that barrier now the time I was thinking yeah. Oh my God, I'm downtrodden, I've got to fight, or I've got to believe, man, it wasn't like that. Mm. It's just what, who I was and what I did. Yeah. I didn't cross my mind, but looking back, mm -hmm. and then what happened was on TV, people said, well, who are you? And I had to look back and say, well, actually, yeah, there aren't many people, when I look around, mm. who look like me, who've done what I've done. There's more now, I think the world's mm -hmm. changing, not fast enough, but it's changing. And I'd be, this, I'd be the CEO of a, a company, I'd go to a, a city you know, gathering, and I'd walk in there in my nice suit. And I'd be, you know, the CEO and all these people are my advisors. And people come up to me and say, I'll have a gin and tonic and a Malibu and orange. <laughs> or, yeah, have you got any more, have you got any more canapes? Oh, uh, God. Right, okay. So that has to change. That's something that I've been quite focused on. Of course. And to me, I had a chat the other day, actually, on um, social media, LinkedIn, I think. He said to me, I'm half West Indian, half mm -hmm. English, half Mancunian, half West Indian. Barbados, great mix. And this guy said to me on LinkedIn, he said, <laughs> I'm a young black man. I'm just thinking about my 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 being a black man. How I should approach my career. And I kind of wrote back to him saying, "What colour do you want to be? <laughs> <laughs> Why does it matter? Yeah. Do what you want to do. I think just the get on with is, it. What man do you want to be? Yeah, not what colour. Yeah, or, or, exactly or right. yeah. I don't know why he would have to say that, but I think that comes down to the belief system. And maybe some people have just gone through a different belief system growing up. I mean, you had that natural grit to just go through and push through whatever came your way. But I think some people come... I mean, if you look last night in the England game, did you hear about what happened? I'm not a football fan. So yeah, so th there was a massive amount of racism directed at black football. Oh, I read about it, yeah. Yeah, so and it's just... It stopped the game or something. Yeah, yeah it stopped yeah. it twice. And it's really, really unfortunate, but... Um, Sometimes that's, that's just the way it is, isn't it? That's not good. Angle. No, we're not going to go really into don't. any of that. Too the bigger hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, then. Of course, you became an investor. So before we actually go into Dragon's Den and everything like that, that will happen on TV. What made you want to personally invest into businesses? What made you want to personally invest in your own money into companies and helping other businesses and entrepreneurs? So the thing about investing is you needed to have money to invest. Mm -hmm. So initially when I started investing, it was small time and okay. it, it was my time really and my expertise. So I, I always had businesses. So I had a paper round when I was at school. I had uh, selling perfume and stuff at college. I was doing parties at university. I had a company formation business kind of. There's some other things when I was at law school. So I always had things when I was in films for a while. Mm -hmm. A good friend of mine. I always had these sort of side hustles, they call them now. And then it was just keep, was just keep my entrepreneurial juices flowing while mm -hmm. I was doing my professional thing. Yeah. And so I was always sort of involved. Now, I invested time and ideas, and then it's a bit of money, a bit more money, and they begin to grow at the same time. And then eventually what happened was I was sort of involved in a hedge fund, and I got out of that. And I had an investment, we bought a company, which mm -hmm. was a few million by this point now. 
and the management team weren't really who they wanted them to. So I had to make that decision one day mm-hmm. of, do I want to step into and become an operator? Mm-hmm. And that was something I thought about quite, it's all right being, you know, five people, six people. This was 300 people, wow. you know, and it was to step in into a, a market which it was mobile at the time I said that one. I knew nothing about it. I could turn a phone on. And then it was, <laughs> you talk about Blackberry's word innovation. Then. Oh, gosh. So I kind of stepped in and became an operator. Yeah. And the thing I learned about me and myself is that I naturally are quite sort of, I'm a people's person. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of instill sort of confidence in people or get them to follow me over the proverbial top. But I kind of shoot from the hip. But I've been trained as a lawyer and a banker, mm. to do detail, to do the research, to not assume you know the answers. Yeah. And so that's been drilled into me. So I've got this sort of interesting mix, actually, of mm. a bit Wild West, a bit only retentive accountant. Yeah. Yeah. And that works quite well, because I can switch between the two. Yeah. I think that's what you have to do in any, anyone in business. You've, and I've got, I've got you know, holes, <laughs> big ones sometimes. Yeah. And I've had co-founders or advisors... Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, in my lawyer's office here, Squire Patton Bogley, Manchester. And my lawyer here, he's been working with me for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have to tell him how I want to do something. He understands. Mm-hmm. My co-founder and business partner, Simon, done a few things with. He's more sort of a finance background, execution. I do the sales. Mm-hmm. So we were like a pantomime horse in a way. Yeah, it, it doesn't work with, with, with either end of <laughs> But together, it kind of it kind of works. Yeah, together it just gelled quite well. And, and that's what you need to do. Yeah. You've got to fill in fill in the gaps. Mm. Otherwise, you're kidding yourself. Do you know what my um, business mentor at the time now? He always says to me, he goes, "I'm gonna do what you do best. Outsource exactly. the rest." Yeah. And I thought that was such a powerful thing that entrepreneurs always want to do everything themselves, and they always think. And do you know what? Sometimes as well, they can do everything themselves, but don't because you're gonna drive yourself. Everyone's in a rush as well. Everyone's in a rush yeah. to be the next billionaire. Mm. And if you do what you know best, or do do what you know. Mm-hmm. Initially, learn the ropes because you know your first business, although you might think it's going to be, it's probably not the one that's going to yeah. deliver the wealth you, you're striving for. Mm-hmm. It can happen. You can spend many, many years at it. But a lot of the entrepreneurs now they're in a mad rush yeah. to be a billionaire, and you've got to take a ten-year view of a business. Even the big tech startups, yes, they've had a couple of a couple of billion invested, but most of them haven't really found their feet mm-hmm. in the, in, even in the first five years. You know, even WeWorks, I believe, are about seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. That's still finding its feet. Yeah. So 10 years is kind of your commitment time, really. Mm-hmm. And and you might do more than one business, but don't be in a rush. Because yeah. when you're in a rush, people say to me all the time, I'm building a business to sell it. That's the wrong way to look at it. Mm-hmm. You've got to build a business, a fantastic business, with a great team who are happy, with great customers that mm-hmm. are happy, that you enjoy doing. And if you build that business, somebody will want to buy it. Uh, if you build something you think mm-hmm. a particular entity or type of acquirer yeah. will want in five, ten years, and suddenly they disappear or the market changes, what the hell have you been spending ten years doing? Exactly, exactly, absolutely. And do you know what's funny? You mentioned the ten-year thing, and people, I think it was Tony Robbins who said it, people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in ten years. And I think that's a really, really True. powerful statement that people always go out and say. To be honest, I remember when I first started the business, and I created a business plan, as you do. And I had no idea that business plans don't usually go to plan. And so when I looked at my plan, I'm just at the end of the year, I said, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. And it's just completely different. But then when you make that shift in mindset and you understand the bigger picture and the long-term journey, and then you realize you've got actually got time on your side to make an impact, possibilities are plans, are plans are a, a sort of a line in the sand, just mm. so you can go back. Mm. And, and, and it's a way of measuring, you need to measure. 
Yes. You don't measure, you Absolutely. can't manage. You might be under, you might be over, mm. but then you can look at, well, actually, I, these are my assumptions. What's changed? Mm. So your next plan should be more accurate. Exactly. Eventually, you begin to narrow yeah. it down to something that is a, a sustainable model. You understand it works. If you exactly. pour in a pound in the top, hopefully, <laughs> two, ten, whatever comes out of the bottom. Absolutely. So, Piers, you've achieved huge success, if you don't mind me saying. You've achieved a lot of success, and you've probably still got a lot more to go. You, know, you don't seem to uh, strike me as the kind of person to stop ever. You're going to constantly drive forwards and keep going. But going now into TV, was that always part of the plan? I like that. You want to, be, you want to do all this, but let's talk about TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, We're going to get onto that later, don't um, worry. So what's the question? Do we do more TV? Well, was it always part of the plan to do The Secret no, Millionaire and Dragon's no, Den? Not the slightest. Really? So that came out of the blue. Okay. So I think the way it happened was, I think, I could be wrong, is that... So I ended up on the list of the most influential black Britons, which was the top 100. I think I was in at 98. <laughs> so, that, so that, I think... Still made, made it. I think, no, I'm not joking. <laughs> I don't think it was numbered. But um, that kind of raised the profile. Mm -hmm. And I think then that researchers in certain media companies start to read these things. Mm. And they go for the list. And I am a, you know, Milltown, comprehensive school kid that became a lawyer in the city and a banker and then made a bit of money. Wrongly, there aren't that many peers in his round. I said there's more now. But at the time, there weren't. So mm -hmm. I ticked boxes, I think. So the media kind of latched onto me. And then I think the secret millionaire, when they first approached me, I said, I'm doing it. When I told my sort of friends and family, they kind of said, well, you kept that quiet. <laughs> You're a very secret millionaire. Hey, it's called the secret <laughs> yeah, millionaire. Exactly. The secret secret millionaire. So, and that was the first time where people sort of said, oh, I'm having it. Um, and people knew about you. But it mm. came and went. Dragon's Den was different. That was very much a, you know, a, a multiple year commitment. Mm. Number two program after Top Gear on BBC yeah. Two. Different kettle of fish altogether. And I had to think about that a bit more carefully. Mm -hmm. I know you're enjoying this podcast, and there's a lot more to come still. But I wanted to quickly interrupt to ask, wouldn't you love to make the next Candy Crush or Uber? If so, then I want to introduce you to our App Accelerator program, an online course which teaches you the exact 10-step system that anyone can use to help create their own app without any experience. In fact, it's the exact 10-step system that I use to make the number one educational game in the App Store that I learned from some of the top app developers and geniuses in the industry without knowing a single line of code. And it's the exact repeatable framework that I use today in my agency to help our clients create their own chart-topping apps. The best part is that right now, you can get it at a huge discount with a whole bunch of free bonuses too. So if you're sitting on an app idea and feel a bit stuck on how to get started, then you need this course. Head on over to appstarterguide.com to get started. That's appstarterguide.com to get started. Until then, let's get back to the episode. You mentioned something which I read online, and you can actually confirm whether it's true or whether it's not true, but you said you were the first Afro-Caribbean investor on the show, which you're very proud of. Is that something you still look back on and say, yeah, I'm glad? No, I'm definitely first Afro-Caribbean. Yeah. I mean, there's been um, you know, James Carr, people with different, some different heritage, mm -hmm. and Tej now as well. Mm -hmm. But Afro-Caribbean, yes. And, and one of the reasons I did that, and I had a, a lot of conversations with lots of people about doing it, was because there weren't many people like me on TV might be on TV and you know, sports or whatever it might be, but not, or, or music, mm -hmm. but not sitting in the den, mm. like writing checks. So that's one of the reasons why I did it. Amazing. Well, I loved it and I really, really enjoyed uh, watching you on there. Uh, I, I just was doing it, it was a great experience. Yeah. 
I want to mention one more thing about it. Uh, you had 200 pitches, apparently, and you made nine investments in Dragon's Den. Um, I'm going to give you some stats, people don't get this. Mm. So normally when you're filming Dragon's Den, probably a four or five week commitment, which is a huge one. Yeah. And each series probably seeing, what, 120 odd pitches. Now, you see 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. If it's one of the short ones, it'll be five minutes. They're there for an hour to an hour and a half. I've been told this, yeah. I spoke to so the guys, yeah. That's the thing. So people don't, they don't get that. And it, mm. it's right. When I did Dragon's Den, I kind of thought, you know, I get to schmooze and meet the dragons. They literally turn up, bit of makeup. I obviously mm. needed it. Bit of makeup. <laughs> sit in the den. I'm like, hello, Peter. Hello, Deborah. Next thing I know, there's some entrepreneur comes out of the lift and starts pitching. That was it. That's incredible. And then you're into the game. I was like, wow, okay. So they're there for an hour and a half. Because you think about it, if you've got five dragons, yeah. they do the pitch. We all ask a couple of questions. Mm. That's 10 minutes times five plus the pitch. It's an mm. hour before you start. So, what the producers have to do is find a storyline that works. Okay. And that's hard to do because you know, it's very hard to do business on TV. Mm -hmm. A lot of the reasons why we don't invest are technical or legal. Mm -hmm. It's just boring. So, we have to find a reason to tell a story within the confines of journalistic credibility. You can't go for a complete tangent. Yeah. So, you know, and they could edit it to, to almost anything to happen. Mm -hmm. So Dragon's Den is probably the best representation of that startup angel investment ex uh, experience that you can actually do on TV. Mm -hmm. Very hard to do business on TV. Well, it sounds difficult. I wouldn't... You end up doing kitchen nightmares. <laughs> that's I mean, I, I can't imagine for the life of me hearing a pitch with cameras staring at me. Um, not that I'm a nervous person, it's just I find it really weird because there's a lot of intimate details you have to talk about when it comes to someone's business. This is their life at the end of the day. And for a lot of people, it's their last chance sometimes when they come onto the show. But anyways, please, I don't want to talk too much about Dragon's Den because I'm assuming you get questions all the time on that. I don't, actually. Uh, really? People touch on it. Yeah. But uh, they're probably scared of talking about it. That's why they move on. Actually, no. Like, it, it was good. I, I, like I said to you before the recording, I, I loved watching your Dragon's Den. You were more tech-focused, I felt. Um, and I thought some of the things and the questions you came up with were a lot and I think your reaction. I remember saying, uh, you know, I don't want to wear a suit. Like, I was like, Ooh, really? Ooh, no. What are you going to wear then? <laughs> so I'm probably wearing a smart jeans and a shirt. I remember that. No about you. I remember the shirt. And uh, no time. Oh, right, okay, yeah. And the button. I had to think about that. It's quite interesting. And the world's moved on massively. I think that's something I want to do. You know, mm. listening in, in media, I want to take that not that not that particular format because it's owned by Sony, mm. <laughs> but something like that online. It needs to. It needs to be, be done differently. I think that's a great idea. I really so think I'm looking at that. I'll be intrigued. To, I'll be one of your first investors on the show. I'm looking forward to it. So, I read online as well that you've always been inspired by the disruptive power of technology and the internet, social business, and the need for alternative financing options for growth businesses. And you firmly believe that businesses can be a force for good. Sounds like I wrote that. <laughs> you probably did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where you got that from? Well... Let's talk now about what one of the main reasons that I actually wanted to talk to you and why I wanted our, list, my, our listeners to hear from you. And that was that you've now got a startup course. You're now helping the next generation of entrepreneurs, should I say. Let's find out a bit more about the course. What made you want to do it, first of all? So about 18 months ago, I started looking at um, interacting on social media, creating mm -hmm. content, giving back, really, just yes. giving information out there. And I got a lot of people coming back to me, and I'm too nice. I engage on the email and takes up too much time mm -hmm. and it asks these questions and I was just amazed by the, the extent the questions 
how there were sort of basic mm-hmm. and, and the same questions over and over yeah, again. Yeah, of course. And I kind of thought, well, you've got the flipping internet now. Mm-hmm. Google, why don't you use a Google machine and go and get the answers? So, yeah, so I looked online. I thought, why can't entrepreneurs find these questions easily? Mm-hmm. There should be sources. What I found was a lot of motivational stuff. Yeah. That um, was kind of like, which we all like. It's great. You know, you do this and do that and you have the business mindset. It's all great. But it wasn't practical. Now, what I find entrepreneurs struggle with is practicality. Yes. And the questions they're asking weren't about, you know, should I go and, should I go and run a triathlon to become healthy, to get in my millionaire mindset? It was about what's VAT? Mm. What's the difference between capital gains tax and um, income tax? Mm. You know, how do I how do I design an app? Mm. Uh, how do I what's a lean startup? You know, what's sales and marketing? How do I how, how do I create a brand? Basic stuff, mm. all important, but it wasn't really out there. So I kind of thought, well, I started doing some content, like YouTube. Yeah. I've got a YouTube channel, Piers Lenny TV. So they're putting content out, but it wasn't really enough. Mm. It needs to be more structured. So I thought, you know what I should do is put together a little course with some basic information. Mm-hmm. Anyway, nine months, it's 10 hours of content. Yeah. 76 lessons later, mm-hmm. I created this course. And I kind of put it out there, it's startup.piersleny.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically everything you need to know. So... If you knew me and someone came to you and said, um, I've got a problem, I need to understand this. You said, well, I know Piers Lee, he's a good family friend. He'll spend time with you. And he sat down with me for the proverbial coffee. Mm-hmm. If I got paid a tenner for every coffee I was asked to do, <laughs> I would be a billionaire. <laughs> and I got to sit down with me and ask me the questions you wanted to do. Yeah. It's part of business. It's that kind of level. So it's that kind of Piers Lee mentor, mm-hmm. me sitting with you, having that conversation, mm-hmm. and maybe signposting where you need to go next. Mm-hmm. So you can buy the course as the course, mm-hmm. or you can buy modules from a tenner. Mm-hmm. So I kind of broke it down. I'm trying to make it accessible and affordable. Yeah, of course. So that's my sort of starter. I've also done content on scale-up. So scale-up is about companies that, people with ambitions to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really important to the economy generally. Mm-hmm. Like scale-ups are the companies that create jobs. Yep. They create wealth. Mm-hmm. They generate tax receipts. They're the ones that really change things for all of us. Mm-hmm. Startups is very important. Need a pipeline to create scale ups, mm-hmm. but most startups don't make it, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing. It's just that's the process. Um, but I've been focusing on both startups and scale ups. Mm-hmm. So I, I call my content cleverly startup that's and scale up. <laughs> I've seen that. Hashtag, yeah. So <clears throat> I can't, I can't let me understand this because I've actually been through the course, by the way. Oh, by the way, I don't even know if I've told you, but I've been through the course and I loved it. Oh, really? I, uh, I, the whole I, thing? I, or? I haven't gone through the whole thing, I've gone through the introductory part. Um, Feedback, come on. Uh, I, I love it. It's not, it's not I, I want to I I I give you real real yeah, feedback, yeah. Right? And, I, and I'll take the time to do that. Because it's not all graphics now, it's more me, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. Like, This is what's important. And I think it's very, very important to put this out there. And this is actually one of the things I want to tell you. This is completely unplanned. I, know yeah. I, was, I, didn't even, I wasn't going to plan yeah. to say this. There are a lot of internet gurus online. Yeah. There are a lot of people who have run a business for a year, yeah. maybe, and released a course. Or, or never. Or never. Yeah. Or have been through some little success or something and been through some of the journeys and said, this is easy. I'm going to release a, cl- a course and tell people how to make millions. And they've got these pictures with their Lamborghinis behind them yeah. and their Apple Watch and their AirPods walking yeah. through speaking on their phone. I'm not going to lie that I've gone through and purchased some of those sometimes. Yeah, in my first few years when I was starting out in business because... I think sometimes an entrepreneur can be vulnerable. Being an entrepreneur is being vulnerable sometimes, actually. You're putting yourself out there, and sometimes you need help, support, and guidance. And this is before I had any business mentors. And like I said, Piers, you have no idea that I'm going to say any of this. I didn't tell you this. Uh, 
I saw your course. I didn't see anything flashy on the website. I didn't see any false promises. I didn't see any. Flashy say the website. If you're looking for a quick win, or mm. this is not for you. This is not for you. And what I actually saw was a course. By the way, if anyone's listening, I'm not. Uh, I'm not affiliated I'm, with I'm, the. I'm product. not paying. Anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> but I actually saw not a course. I saw higher peers to help me start my business. Right. That's what I saw, and I thought that was extremely powerful. I didn't see a course that someone would buy, use for a month, and then throw away, or just never look back in it again. But the idea is it's in your pocket. So if you suddenly yeah. think. If you go to a meeting and someone says something, you think, I don't understand that. Mm. You can get it out, go to, you know, module seven, lesson yeah. four and watch it. Absolutely. And and that's the power and I saw in it. That's oh, what cool, I saw cool. is that I could hire peers for my life, basically, actually. Which is actually what it's supposed to be. It's mm. supposed to be, as people say to me, peers, can you mentor me? Can I sit mm. down and get on a coffee? Can I ask you that? Basically, it is all those coffees, yeah. literally, all those mentoring sessions rolled into that one piece exactly. of content. And... It was it nearly killed me making it, just in terms of the time, yeah. the editing. Uh, but I've got it out there now. So I, I'm, I'm, I talk about it. It's not really a business, really. It's more something I want to put out. They want people to use. Mm-hmm. They're going to pay for it because it just took a lot of time and effort and energy to make no, it. No, I think it should actually. be. Yeah. But I've kind of tried to price it where you can buy a module for a tenner. Yeah, I think and I think it's extremely valuable. And I think with the age like we're living in right now, the information age, it's so called. Um, I think it's a no-brainer, if I'm very honest with you. I would love to have had something like that when I was going through my business because in my first year, I didn't understand VAT, as you said before. When I had VAT paid, then they said uh, corporation tax. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I have to pay yeah. this as well. Um, dividends, I didn't have a clue. We don't get taught these things at school. As, a, on, as an entrepreneur, I was taught the hard way with these because but it's got know. things in there about uh, should you even start a business? You might, you, you might only get to module one in my mm. course because you realise actually I should probably go and get a job. Yeah. But that's the idea. It's literally soup to nuts. So is this per- course perfect for someone who, we have a lot of people come to us with ideas, ideas person. They say I'm an ideas person. I'm not an operations person, which is a lie. They just say I'm an, I'm an ideas person. Is this designed for someone who just has an idea or just hasn't had the courage or, or whatever it is to go into business? You can lead them through that whole journey? Yeah, so the first, the first part of it, again, is not an advert the course we're talking about. No, no, yeah. Because it, it is about business and starting up. So the first part really is about should you start up? How do you start up? How, how do you come up with an idea, actually? Mm-hmm. What, and, and, you know, should you... Well, you, so you take uh, them through that as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. Are, are you Amazing. ready mentally? Are you ready, is the mental health even, mm-hmm. physically to go and start a course? Mm-hmm. Where do you get the money from? How does it impact your friends and family? So I start literally there. That is So you might get to module one and give up. <laughs> That's yeah. the point. No, of course. Yeah. Some people should. But after that, it goes through the whole process about starting up, um, having an idea, building business, working with people, building a team, you know, working with your friends and family, your co-founder, the kitchen mm-hmm. table, all the way through to explaining basic profit and loss and a kind of what a balance sheet is. Amazing. The branding, the whole thing. And the idea is, is, like I said, is to try and get it out of my head mm-hmm. and share it. That's very, very powerful. And we're going to put the link in anyway, so I'm really, really excited for anyone. I've, I've honestly, so we, we've got a course as well. I'm not going to go into too much detail yeah. because this isn't about me today. The point is, is that we've been looking as a company as well. We've been looking, saying who shares our vision, who shares our thought in the sense that we're not trying to, this, our course is not our main 
uh, part of our business. It literally is the case of I can't duplicate myself yeah. and you can't duplicate yourself yeah. to be in different areas. But you have people who need your help. But you're not the kind of person, you're very similar to me, that you're, you don't want to be rude. You don't want to say, sorry, I can't help you. But now you can point them in the right direction. And as well that you charge for it, not because you want to earn money from it, but you charge from it because essentially you want to attach a value to it. And when people see things that are attached with value, then they're going to pay more attention to it. I think if something's free, they're just going to download it. Plus, there's loads of stuff you can get free on that. Yeah. Awesome. You also have a number one podcast with NatWest. I did, yeah. Rethinking so, Business. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, so NatWest approached me. the series. Yeah. And NatWest approached me. We did a podcast called Rethinking Business, which I have to say, I really enjoyed doing as well. Okay. Because I got to speak to... Um, Lots of disruptive entrepreneurs. We had Susie Marr on there, mm-hmm. the founders in you know, a can of water you've probably mm-hmm. seen, and a straight, yeah. straight Teeth Direct, and one of the founders of made.com. So I got to spend time and have a conversation mm-hmm. with lots of It's quite funny. And Nat West said, Well, yeah, join the, the podcast, maybe talk about these things. I'm like, oh, Okay. I never look at the paper. <laughs> I just have a conversation in there. So I say, Have I covered everything? Like, yeah. So it was really sort of natural. Yeah. And uh, it's been a really good podcast. I've done another one now, which is actually going out at the moment every Wednesday, I think it is, mm-hmm. which is a video series. So that's more structured. There's myself and three people. We're talking about things like digitization, mm-hmm. about, about your business and the future of work, whatever it might be. So that's been another sort of great piece of content. And what I try and do is with these partnerships, some with Cisco as well, is try and find brands I want to work with mm-hmm. and create content that's yeah. and interesting. Amazing. I can ask you things all the time, but a lot of them I don't do. All right. Well, we're getting to a point where I'm going to start asking some questions that people want to know the answers yeah. to. So I'm really excited, so no pressure. Oh, okay. But before we do, uh, I really, really love the idea that you do invest a lot in charity as well. And I saw that you're a trustee of the UK's leading innovation charity, Nesta. Uh, how did that kind of all come so, about? So Nesta's the, it used to be called the National um, Endowment for Science, Technology and the Arts. That's so a it, it, so it was, And they, they called it Nesta for short. <laughs> so it was not a bad God. idea. <laughs> and and the, the original money was uh, lottery money. Okay. And it was a government quango. It was turned into a charity. It's one of the, it's one of the most amazing sort of third sector organisations people never heard of. Mm-hmm. But basically, this this uh, endowment generates uh, interest essentially, and they leverage that by doing consulting and doing projects. So think it covers government, education, health, uh, so you know, sort of a social uh, economy, whole and innovation generally really. And given a great example is so many years ago, it was the Longitude Prize. You've read the book. The guy that invented the watch allowed mariners to actually mm-hmm. navigate and run into icebergs and rocks. Mm-hmm. And there's a new one now we're doing mm-hmm. Longitude Prize, which is just, and it's, it's called a challenge prize. So mm-hmm. One way of bringing about innovation is the profit motive. Yeah. And another way is where sometimes profit's not really quite there. It's challenge prizes, like it's yeah. the X Prize, how to get a reusable spaceship with a challenge prize. So we're doing one which is testing between a, a microbial infection and a viral infection because. Microbe, microbial resistance mm-hmm. becoming a huge issue. Yep. And if you can test, people start handling antibiotics. Mm-hmm. So these things become resistant. That's one example. So Nesta does a huge range of things. And I sit on the uh, on that committee particularly, mm-hmm. and the kind of social sort of social economy, creative economy, sorry, committee. And mm-hmm. the creative economy is very much where the world's going. So we do things on research about you know drones in cities, mm-hmm. the future of work, you know, the fact robotics and AI has that going to impact the whole segments and areas of the, of the, of the country mm-hmm. in terms of employment. So it's fascinating. Yeah. And that's something I enjoy doing. With people there, I've got brains the size of planets. <laughs> uh, I'm a trustee. Now, I've been there six years and that's my, my last few months at Nesta. But that's been fascinating. And a lot of what I talk about sometimes comes to my experience and the know-how I sort mm-hmm. of absorb from Nesta. Amazing. 
Alright, time to go into some questions which I want to fire up with you now. So, primary listeners on the show, they always say, like I told you before, we have an idea or I have an idea, we want to do this, blah, 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 blah. But I always ask them, why aren't you going for it? And it comes down to fear, essentially. That's what it comes down to when I ask people why they aren't going through this stuff. And one of the fears, so we're going to go through three fears. Um, one of them is, I don't have the money. Yeah. What was normally your response to that when people say, I don't have the money to do it? So sometimes you don't. And uh, I, I did a video on my YouTube channel yeah, about the concentric rings of raising money. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's called something like raising finance for a startup. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that you've got to be realistic. So sometimes you haven't got the money. You'd have to work two jobs, save up some money. Mm-hmm. Depends what your family situation is. Sometimes you're lucky, you've got a trust fund. So the matter, you don't even talk to your trustee and get the money. <laughs> but usually it's these concentric rings. Yeah. So you start with your mum and dad, probably, your siblings, move out to your friends, yeah. your very good friends, friends of friends. Now, as you move out, mm. people start to ask more questions. Because <laughs> initially they're investing in you. Yeah. Now, investors in early companies are always investing in you. Mm-hmm. But as you move out, it starts to look beyond you. Yeah. Well, what's the business? How am I going to lose my money? Mm-hmm. And also, as you move out to properly structured investment with, um, you know, it might be a debt or equity, usually equity at this point, it might be a shareholder agreement. The construct means that there'll be a period of time where you all win or lose. Mm-hmm. When you borrow money off your mum, you can pay her back over the next 30 <laughs> years or sell an organ. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, you can do so, that. <laughs> so it changes that dynamic in terms of how you invest is. Yeah. Get the money back. Okay. Now you're getting to professional. Now, once you move into angels and angel networks yeah. and VCs, then it's institutional investment. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be got to be realistic about what you can get from where mm-hmm. and how far you can get what you can do with it. There's no point in thinking, I'm going to redesign the jet engine if you're going to borrow 500 quid off your brother. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. So a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, sometimes they need to just understand and uh, take a take a cold shower mm-hmm. and think right I've got a vision mm-hmm. how do I get from A to B and this is where the kind of lean startup approach yeah. comes from but start small with an idea a concept a prototype an MVP whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it and test it test your service with locals your neighbours yeah. and give them a deal but I always say about that test the price as well don't just give stuff away mm-hmm. don't like my course don't just give don't, <laughs> just, don't just give stuff away because yeah. people don't they don't understand you haven't tested the, the pricing the margin yeah. the cost base nothing so start small and raise money in those concentric rings, and then move out when you can. Some people, now, it depends on your social capital as well. So if you're like me, and you've had spent time in the city of London, and you know, you've come into Wall Street, essentially, it's about, well, I know how to go and approach a VC. I know how to construct a business plan, and the numbers, and the modeling, mm-hmm. and how they think, and I know where most of these VCs came from in terms mm-hmm. of their makeup. If you were me as a young lad in a mill town in Lancashire, trying to do that straight away. I wouldn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. So you've also got to do your research as to who it is you're pitching to yeah. so you, you actually understand them because very different. The presentation you give to your friend's friend is probably quite different to what you're going to give to an institutional Absolutely. investor. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Second I, I fear? Off sometime. Second fear. I don't have the time. Uh... So this is, this is where you've, you've got to decide what you want to do with your life, really. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can read all these books about time management. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if you actually add up how much time <laughs> you spend, you know, staring into space, eating your cornflakes, or checking Instagram, yeah. you actually add up, you can find three hours in a day, which is 15 hours a yeah. week, which is a lot of time, actually. Mm-hmm. Now, that's very well and good in saying that, but people still 
want to stare into space and check things yeah. around. So you've got to work out what it is you really, really want in life. And you hear the thing about side hustles. I don't think about that phrase, but it kind of describe it. I always said side hustle. It is sometimes people say yeah, you've got to find a balance. I always say you've got to find a balance between your work life, your private life, your social life, your mental health, physical health, which is great. But when you start a business, there will be times where the wheels are going to fall off. You will not sleep. Mm-hmm. You worry sometimes. You will not. You will work seven days a week, eighteen hours a day. You will miss weddings. You will miss parties, mm-hmm. bar mitzvahs, whatever it might be. And you've got to face up to that. So, do not underestimate the amount of time and commitment mm-hmm. you have to put into a business. So, you have to find that time. If you've got a job, it's very difficult to do. If you've got a side hustle, selling stuff on a Chinese product using Amazon FBA, using you know Alibaba. You can probably do it, mm-hmm. but how big can that really get? Mm-hmm. So there comes a point when you're starting a business where you have to be all in. And often, time is because you have other things to do. Now, you've got other books as well. Often you are killing yourself in a job you don't really enjoy doing mm-hmm. to earn money that you're really spending on a TV you can't afford, a car you can't afford, mm-hmm. a watch you can't afford, probably Tinder dates you can't afford, <laughs> whatever it is. And actually, you need to think about that. Think about the long term. Everyone's in a rush to be the big man or lady right now. Mm. If you take a long-term view of your life and, and your business um, aspirations as well, and actually, why, I would say, wind down your... Why, people say about business costs. Wind down your personal costs because your personal costs, often, if you wind them down, mean you need to earn less. You can work less doing things you don't mm-hmm. want to do. It gives you more time to focus on things you do want to do. Mm-hmm. There you go, you heard it here first. And one of the most popular things I hear a lot, I'm scared to start my business. I'm scared to start a business. I'm scared to live that entrepreneurial life. I'm scared. What's your normal response to people? What would you say to anyone listening right now who's actually terrified? I think people are scared because they're scared of failure. Mm -hmm. I think people who've got an entrepreneurial mindset, if you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. I don't think they're often scared of failure themselves. Mm-hmm. I think they've accepted that. Often, as, you, as a young entrepreneur, as you get older, you get more objective, and you begin to realise it doesn't always work. <laughs> so it's when you start out, you think, yeah. I'm going to open a noodle restaurant, and it's going to be the world's biggest. You think, I'm going to work at Mama. <laughs> so you, you might not get it wrong, mm-hmm. but actually, the, the point is, you, people are scared about failing. Now, you have to understand the entrepreneurial process. I think the world should. The entrepreneurial process is, you have an idea, hypothesis, you test it, you iterate your product, mm-hmm. you get product market fit, it works, the sustainable economic model, it works, you can then scale it. Mm-hmm. So if you, like a scientist, you're a scientist, you test the hypothesis mm-hmm. and it works or it doesn't. If it doesn't work, you have to stop and move on. Correct. Investors who invest in business at that stage, they're investing in, they should know that. Your mum might not care, she's investing <laughs> in you. But they should know that your testing hypothesis may or may not work. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, they're looking more at the business, the economic, the markets, and execution capability. So if you understand that and get your head around that, mm-hmm. don't care what everyone else thinks. Because mm-hmm. that's what you need to worry about is test hypothesis and work. Don't be scared of failure yep. yourself, because that's just the name of the game. Yep. What the world around you thinks, I've failed. I've failed publicly. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a business where I've lost money you know, in the newspapers. And I think sometimes that and I'm thinking of starting a business. I'm a bit nervous because people think, well, it's pain, isn't it? Mm. Of course it's going to fly. I don't know. I'm testing an hypothesis. Mm-hmm. If my hypothesis doesn't work, that business won't work. That's, that, that's just the, that's the process 
of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. So get involved, enjoy it, it'll be hard, and don't give a hoot. These are the words, but it's because after the watershed on the, on the internet is I don't you know don't care what other people think, and I I struggle with that actually. Still, no, not not so much now, but I mm-hmm. have a period of time where, especially in the media's eye, where you know, well, should I do that and should I do that? What are people going to think? You know, what's the PR going to be like? I just don't care anymore. Yeah, because life's also quite short. Mm-hmm. Very very good, amazing. I think especially as well in this day and age where social media is very very prominent people are more conscious of what other people think of them uh i, I made that exact shift where i just said i don't care <laughs> well, social media that's another podcast that's a night oh gosh yeah we haven't got time to go into that today so i'm gonna put you on the spot now because we're we want to finish up um and i do want to um but i do this with all of our guests so you're not being pinpointed for this but i do this with everyone if you were to give one piece of advice for someone starting out right now, because we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening, you can only give one piece of advice. Do not actually, I'll give you two. But you can give one piece of advice to someone uh, starting out right now, starting their business. What would be the one thing that you'd say to them? Again, you heard it a long time, but it's do something you enjoy doing. Yeah. So, as going to be something, I would say, this is what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. You haven't got to be completely passionate about it. Like, this is, this is your raison d'etre. But do something you enjoy doing. And I think... And the second part is something I'm doing as well myself mm-hmm. is I've learned, I've done stuff to make money. So now I'm looking at, looking at things I want to do, I think mm. I'll enjoy doing. Yeah. And the second part of your question, which is, it's, it's, it fits in quite nicely, is do people that you want to work with and spend time with? Mm. If you've got those two things, it's going to make it a lot easier. Now, I can't remember where I read it now, but someone said, you can work really hard for 10 years and fail at something that you don't like doing. So why not do the same and fail something that you at least enjoy doing and enjoy the journey? So that's the thing. Do something you enjoy doing, people who enjoy doing it with. Amazing. So, Piers, to just close up, um, what are you up to now? What does the future hold for you? And um, business interests right now? Are we going to see you in a mountain bike riding competition or anything? (laughs) Yes, I've got involved in a couple of things. So one is uh, Afferton Bikes. That's with the Aftertons. That's world champion downhilling siblings who we're very interested to work with. But these are bikes where the joints are actually 3D printed in titanium with carbon tube. It's basically F1 aerospace engineering and bikes. So I've been doing that. But I've been sort of looking at different markets that interest me. Again, going back to the what do I like, who do I want to work with. And I've been looking at wellness, things that I find interesting. Mm -hmm. I've been looking at markets that I know, so technology, telecoms, and looking at cooking up a sort of an idea. I want to do something big and disruptive, something Mm -hmm. with real scale. I've done tech. A lot of my tech's been sort of enterprise tech. I want something which is really adding value to customers. Yeah. And ideally, SMEs, entrepreneurs, small businesses, because that's what I'm passionate about. So having a business that is actually servicing those business owners and entrepreneurs in a way in which it can be scaled up and have real value and be, and be valuable. That's something I'm looking at now. Oh, amazing. Well, Piers, I think it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. I really, really appreciate your time because I know that's extremely valuable. Just remind us one more time of the link uh, for your startup. Uh, startup.piers.com. Fantastic. I'll, I'll give you a link with a discount code to put in your underneath. Amazing. Thank you so much. I really pleasure. appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. If you're sitting there feeling inspired and feel like you want to do something about your app idea, then head on over to appstarterguide.com to get started. That's appstarterguide.com 
where you'll find all the resources, guidance, and expertise you'll need to build your app. I promise you won't find anything else like it. Until then, I'll see you on the next episode.